Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is writer, director, and cinematographer Rob Savage. He's directed short films such as Dawn of the Deaf, but most notably, he is known as the director of the hit Zoom horror film Host, which is now streaming on Shudder. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Um... How are, how are you doing? Yeah. Like, are you just like in shock about how like the amazing reception of host? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it feels it feels very <laughs> surreal. Like I'm literally sitting in the same place that I directed host in my flat, and like, <laughs> oh, and I so, pre- cool. so I pretty much haven't moved in the last three months. So in a weird <laughs> in a weird way, it kind of it feels like everything is happening, but also nothing is happening because I still haven't left my house. That's actually that's so funny that you say it's like funny to think about it that way. Like you did this huge project and it's getting so much attention, but you're like, but I didn't even leave my apartment. Like that's yeah. kind of cool and weird. Like what a weird time to be yeah. making movies. It's weird. Like when I talk to like human voices like this, and you're talking about a movie that 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 we shot like a few weeks ago. That's when it that's when it feels a little more real. But like Twitter, Twitter doesn't feel the real when you're reading right. text on a screen. It kind of feels like slightly removed in a weird way but it's all it's all super exciting and we 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 couldn't be happier with how it's been um received that's awesome uh so before we do talk about um host though what is your relationship to horror is it something that you've oh, you've grown up loving or is it something that you discovered later in life no i mean i like i basically like my parents tried to raise me without a tv oh. uh oh so so of course, like the only thing I wanted to do was watch TV, and, well, of you course. Know, and they especially didn't want me to watch scary movies. Like they really <laughs> didn't want me to watch The Exorcist. So it was kind of all I wanted to do as a as a as a teenager. And like, and I just like I remember really vividly being in like Blockbuster and seeing mm. seeing those kind of like garish VHS covers, like all the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and you and, and you know, and all the kind of. Um, like the Italian schlock movies that where the cover mm-hmm. was always way better than the movie. And like just imagining what could be underneath those covers was like, 
that like I like I remember that feeling re- really vividly, and that's that was kind of the forbidden fruit of my childhood. So like, I ended up buying from from like a kind of uh, from like a car boot sale. I bought like a little mini like portable TV that I had under my bed and I used to get VHS tapes again because it was the only place that would sell me like these these X-rated movies so I'd, I'd like buy like Day of the Dead on VHS and, and watch it oh, wow. without any sound because I was afraid my parents would hear so I watched all these movies kind of silently the first time around wow. and they kind of and they wow. really freaked me out They like I wasn't a hardened horror watcher when I was a kid like they really freaked me out and I would like I wouldn't sleep but I wouldn't be able to tell my parents why I wasn't sleeping and I would just like I don't know. It, it was it was a whole thing. Like I just had this fascination, but I could. They really freaked me out, but I couldn't look away. And I still kind of get that a bit. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm still. No, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm hardened a bit, but I, but I've still, I've still got those wimpish qualities, which I quite <laughs> enjoy. It feels kind of dangerous when I'm watching a horror movie that's that's meant to be properly scary. Yeah. What was the last horror movie you watched that made you feel that way? Um. Sorry to put you probably, on the spot. Probably, probably, probably late Mungo. Oh. oh my god lake mungo is so good so i good. love that movie and it's so creepy like it starts yeah. out so like okay like what is this and then it's just it becomes something so haunting yeah and it gets under your skin it really does and I mean, like the first time i watched it just as a scary movie and like like i had to watch it in bits like even the because you know it's got that credit sequence where it has all the kind of ghost photography even that yeah. I, I had to stop it i had to stop it and i had to take the dvd out and i had to put it under my bed and i was like okay i'm gonna watch that another night and it took me a few <laughs> oh times God. to like actually get into it you know like the first time i watched it, it just as like a shit scary horror movie that really that really freaked me out and it's one of those movies that kind of you know the the way that it scares you is really subtle and insidious, and you're, it kind of makes yeah. you just look into the dark corners of your room and, and and always want to glance over your shoulder. But 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 I watched it again actually at the start of lockdown, uh, you know, and it like because I knew what where the scares were, it kind of didn't scare me as much as it did like make me feel really sad and emotional. And I think like mm-hmm. as a portrait of of this broken family and the disconnect between you know the teenage daughter and the mother, it's so kind of. It's just such a beautiful movie as well, like a beautifully sad movie and a beautifully observed movie. And I kind of just think, as well as being one of the best horror movies, it's also just it's just one of the best movies that I've seen. It's it's really a masterclass, and it's kind of amazing that guy hasn't made anything since. Right, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, that bit. The, I'm not we're not spoiling it, but like the bit where they cut the two therapy sessions at the end, I was just in floods of tears this oh, time watching God. it. Absolutely broke right? me. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. And it, well, we can talk about hosts now. Sorry, we're talking about a whole other movie. <laughs> so we talked to Michael Verratti last week. Um. He he directed a short horror short called Unusual Attachment, which is kind of the same a similar vibe of a second screen horror. And we yeah. talked about like the benefits and the challenges of doing that. And so, what was it like for you to make this film? Like, how did it come to be? And what was it like to film something like this? Like you said, like from your couch, basically. Yeah. I mean, it kind of um. Because we were making it in lockdown, it felt it, it weirdly, and and because we didn't know it would have this kind of response, it kind of felt slightly low stakes when we started out. It mm. felt like if it was really shit, we'd kind of get a free pass because of lockdown, you just for, just for trying something out. And um, yeah, there, there was kind of just a sense of there was just a real sense of fun because we were making it like, like the background basically is is it, like everyone everyone uh involved in it are basically just the people that i was already hanging out with on zoom anyway at the start of lockdown they're all my friends everyone in it all the actors are people that i've worked with or that i know really well and there's just this really lovely sense of like everyone's gonna throw in we're gonna try and make something really cool but it's not 
you know, we're not playing with, with millions of dollars and we're not, there's not this huge pressure on us. We, we're actually just, the, the aim was just to, to be creative and try and do something cool and just throw ourselves into it and keep, you know, and to be honest, just to keep ourselves busy during lockdown. And it ended up, we ended up getting, you know, we ended up investing more and more into it as it, as it grew and grew, but, but it really started out at least what I thought I'd get from it is, is having a lovely experience of making something with my friends in mm. lockdown. And I think that's kind of ended up in the DNA of the movie and you kind of can't fake that. And I think there's that, that kind of, that kind of energy that these, these kind of crazy low budget productions have always end up in the fabric of the film. And I think it's what people have been responding to, you know, in a large part. It doesn't surprise me that you say that you guys are all friends because there is a certain camaraderie that just sort of comes through the, the screen mm. where it doesn't, it feels so natural with, with the acting that, that it just feels like there really are a bunch of friends just sort of chilling on Zoom doing yeah. a seance. Um, I, I was kind of curious, how did it feel to be like doing something creative in a time when like everywhere else is at a, a standstill? I mean, well, I mean, amazing. It was like, <laughs> it was really, it was re- like I was, I was two weeks away from shooting on this big um, TV production here in London before mm. we got shut down. And I was kind of just in that zone of wanting to get on set and wanting to shoot something and like every like everyone i'm sure felt everyone who got who got furloughed or shut down like just that feeling of of pent up creative energy and there's kind of no outlet for it you know and i think it was it was nice to it was nice to have the possibility that if it, that if it went well we'd be doing some, we'd be doing something we'd be pulling something off that nobody had done yet mm. and you know there had been screen life movies but i think nobody had kind of weighed up what the benefits and the drawbacks of shooting remotely could be you know if this is this is going to be our reality for 2020 we were really just trying to find a new way of working and i think we Figuring had this, it out as you went yeah exactly and we had this kind of light bulb moment where we kind of realized that like sure there's a drawback of like i can't be in the same physical space as the actors and you know there's a certain energy that comes with being there with real people in a real space and you can't you you know you can't fake that and we we're never going to get to that feeling but but actually on the other hand, there was a benefit because it now meant that like anyone with an internet connection could suddenly be in our movie or like help us out with the movie. Or if, you know, Mm. somebody on the other side of the country could do a crazy stunt, we could, you know, we could jump on zoom with them. We could film it and it could be in the movie by that afternoon. And actually it kind of opened up the world in a, in a crazy way. And, you know, we only worked with people within the UK, but there's nothing to stop people from doing that in a, in a, in a more global sense. And, uh, you know, as soon as we, as soon as we kind of reframed that problem as being, you know, possibly something that could make this movie stand out, I think, you know, that's when we really started to have fun with it. And I think it would have been a real mistake to look at this movie and just try and copy and paste the same way of working that we'd all got used to on normal productions and try and make that fit for this, for this remote filming. And I Mm. think, you know, it was, it was fun trying to just trying to figure out what that new landscape looked like. So what, what kind of, from what I understand uh, from, from Twitter, it seemed like this all kind of started from the prank that you had posted on Twitter. Yeah. Was it, was it a real prank and did they forgive you? <laughs> uh, yes, it was a real prank. And I think if I oh hadn't, have, if I hadn't have cast them in a movie afterwards, they would not have forgiven me, no. Um, you, so they didn't know you were doing that? Like the no, whole, like, going no. Up and, I honestly. Oh my God. I would have. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I, I honestly, I honestly, I thought that that was going to be the coolest thing that we did in lockdown. <laughs> the fact that that went, that stupid thing went viral. Yeah, I basically like, I basically built out of 
cardboard and sticky tape, this this like contraption that attached to my the front of my laptop, which meant that I could just like slot my phone in and, and it would be filming my laptop screen without seeing any of the edges. So as far as, you know, as far as the people on the oh. Zoom call knew they were still watching live footage. So I was able oh, to, geez. yeah, so I was able to like take them up into my attic. But as I brought the camera up into my attic, it just slotted right in front of my laptop screen. And I played them the, the scene from Wreck where the zombie right. child jumps out at the, at the yeah. cameraman. Um, so yeah, all that, all that that you're seeing in the video is like totally, <laughs> totally live reactions. Okay, I thought that, okay, watching, obviously I went wreck, when I was watching it last night, I was like, that zombie kid looks really familiar, like, I've seen this movie <laughs> yeah. before, but okay, now, connecting the dots, now I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, so smart. You're like, I don't even have to do any crazy practical effects, I'll just put this. No, I mean, I was planning to at first, but then I was like, oh, well, why, why do that when Rex already done this, like, ten times better than I'm ever going to do it? Let's just nick that. I was so oh, happy that Paco Plaza liked it. I thought he, if, he, if he, like, uh, you know, sent a cease and desist, then that would, that would suck. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you did the prank video, mm. and then there was Host. You conceived of it, you shot it and edited it in 12 weeks, correct? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, um, it was a little so mad. So how did, <laughs> how did you guys conceive of this script? Well, basically, so I, so I work a lot with this guy called Jed Shepard, who's um, he's a writer on this and, and an EP as well. And uh, we we've we done a bunch of short films together. We did a short film called Dawn of the Deaf and Salt. And he's just he's one of those people who basically watches every single horror movie under the sun. Like you go to mm-hmm. his house and it's like VHS tapes stacked to the ceiling. Like you know they're probably going to fall on him and crush him to death one day. That's, that's probably going to be how he goes. And, and, <laughs> and he's always the person I call. If I've got an idea for something, I'll call him and he'll say, you know, he'll either say, oh, I've never seen that before, in which case you're onto something, you know, exciting. Or he'll say, well, that, you know, that happens all the time in this movie, in this movie, in this movie, or, oh. or whatever. And, you know, he's just kind of like this great horror bounce board. He's got so many great ideas. A seemingly endless supply of ideas and uh so i called him up i was like what you know what do you think about doing a feature based off this stupid prank video you know let's let's look at using the cast you know because basically it's the people in the prank video that's all the cast mm-hmm. of host it's right. the same people yeah and we threw some ideas around and you know we knew we wanted to make something paranormal we we'd always wanted to do a kind of really scary roller coaster haunted house movie you know zoom on before before zoom had come into the picture so we were kind of talking about that and then i went to bed and i woke up in the morning and he sent me a text with just two words he just texted me zoom seance and i was like oh easy oh great let's just do that hell yeah 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 and i think you know we were really looking for something because we were doing something that was like right up to the minute and it was set in lockdown and it was on zoom and it had all these modern trappings we wanted to we wanted to combine that with something that felt very old school and very classic and you know Mm. and the seance felt like a a good um good opportunity there and actually weirdly like i did i made a tv movie here in the uk about a haunted house uh a few years ago and as part of my research for that i'd actually like gone and met a bunch of mediums and started hanging out with them and i joined i joined a spiritualist church i joined a spiritualist church for like six months so i was doing these I was doing Holy these like cow. weekly seances. I just went to this town hall in Hounslow and like did did a, a seance every Wednesday night with a bunch of single mums, and it was really eye opening. Just just how unlike the seances you see in the movies are, and how um, kind of 
that, you know, that, how unshowy they are and how kind of grounded and natural and, and these weird, these weird kind of slightly un, uncool techniques that like, it's not cool at all doing a seance. It's like quite, um, it, it's, it's, it's very, it's very weird and niche and that, you know, the, 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 um, the people are all fascinating. And I kind of wanted to bring an element to that and like, and I'd been speaking to some of my medium friends and, and I was asking them like what they were doing in, in, uh, covid times to 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 keep um keep practicing and they're like oh we've just just moved to zoom we just do readings over zoom and and i thought that was kind of fascinating um so wow. yeah so that, you know so we kind of that was kind of our pitch to shadow i mean honestly it was literally when i pitched to, to those guys i said you know a bunch of friends they do a zoom seance something scary happens and that's all we've got and <laughs> you know and 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 to their credit they they trusted us enough to basically like let us making up make it up as we went along wow so was it was it filmed like like your prank did how in on it were were the actors with with the specific beats oh like no a lot that we i really wanted to take a lot of that prank aesthetic and put it into the put it into the movie so basically what we did is we front loaded the schedule we we shot for 2 weeks and we front loaded the schedule with 3 days of uh, stunts and scares and set pieces, like basically all the big, all the big moments in the movie we did in the first three days, which was terrifying, but we managed to pull it off and we cut it together. We cut it together. Yeah. And, and, um, so we never had a script. We, we ended up with like a 17 page, uh, like beat sheet basically. But, um, but that was only for, that was only for production. We actually held back on giving the full script out to, um, to the cast, each of the cast members, excuse me, each of the cast members basically only had the pages for their character. They had no idea who was going to die, how they were going to die, where the scares were coming from. And we held all that back. And because we'd shot all the scares and the stunts up front, it meant that we were able to cut that together, add in all the spooky sound effects, you know, make it to play like a proper horror set piece. And then I was able to pump that back in, just like the prank video, into Zoom. Oh, and they were wow. able to react to them live, you know, Holy having no shit. idea. And also they had no idea... You know, like hopefully, hopefully most people had no idea of like the level of stunt and scare we were going for. So I think they really didn't expect some of the, you know, they didn't expect, I don't want to go into spoilers, but like what happens to Teddy, I think really took Emma by surprise. Mm. And her reaction there, that amazing reaction she gives is take one of her actually seeing that footage live, her not even knowing. Wow, wow that Teddy's qualified to do that because we didn't tell, we didn't tell them that Teddy was stunt qualified. So, um, <laughs> you know, we wanted to bring a lot of that in and, and, um, and, you oh, know, yeah. and pretty much all of those reactions, it's like take one reaction on, um, on them seeing the clips and any, and, you know, and, and there were lots of stunts we were able to do live as well. Like Haley, where the, the, the first time the thing happens with her chair, that was, mm. that was something that Haley and her partner had rigged up with some climbing ropes and the rest of the cast, they <sighs> thought that they were just going to pl- be playing a scripted argument scene. Um, and then suddenly, <laughs> suddenly that thing happens and those reactions, like, I love it so much because those reactions, they're not playing their characters. It's just them as people reacting as they would. And it's, you know, you, you, you can't fake that cruel, See, as, that, cruel as it is. That, 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 that like, makes it, sense. <laughs> it's, yeah. I just want to say like, it just comes across as so genuine. It's mm. like ridiculous. Even at the beginning when they're just like talking about wine and like pouring, like, I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah. It really did feel so genuine and it's so cool to hear that like oh yeah like it was very very genuine and then like yeah. you had them really having those reactions like because it caught it really paid off <laughs> yeah yeah it was really fun it was really fun just like turning up every day and, and basically making the movie in real time with the with the actors because you know we turn up and we'd have like three lines of 
you know, three lines of description for the, for the scene from the, from the scriptment. And, um, and then we'd have to just improvise and figure it out. And I'd suggest things and I'd be like, I, I'd be on the zoom call, but I'd be muted and hidden. And every so often I just unmute myself and I'd throw in a prompt or I'd say, let's run that line again. Or how about we try this? Or even like, sometimes I just like type things in the chat. So I'd be like, you know, Gemma, have a go at Haley, and and just just try and like set things off in real time. Hmm. Um, wow, and they, you know they they they're brilliant actors, so they're able to just roll with that stuff and really stay in stay in the moment and um, and also know what we're going for as well. Like we spoke a lot about how we wanted the film to feel and what all of the scenes were doing and what we wanted the audience experience to be. So like, they were kind of just like everyone was just a kind of a collaborator on this movie in a really lovely way. So one of the scenes that that actually was probably my favorite, and it, it's. You know a scare is going to be good when you can see that it's going to come at some point, <laughs> but it still manages to get you. I absolutely loved the use of the the zoom background. Oh, oh yeah. my god! <laughs> I am not terrified of zoom backgrounds. Oh yeah, you probably should be. <laughs> that was one of the first ones we came up with. We, yeah, I, I think that's probably my favorite scare as well. And the weird thing is, like, we wrote it down, and I knew that 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 first moment, you know, without spoiling it, the the, the jump moment. I always knew that was that was going to work and that was going to be fun but like but what I didn't count on is how kind of creepy and spooky and sad it would be to have Caroline wandering around in the fake background for the rest of the movie. Oh, and I didn't yes. until until yes! the edit, until the editor sent over the first cut I kind of forgotten that oh yeah of course the background's going to be looping and it's so kind of weird and poignant and yeah so I love these little accidents like that end up sometimes being my favorite bit the other thing that um, I really appreciated by this and I'm sure that there's been plenty that have been missed but just how subtle some of the the background work is um, like I, I, I I've, I've seen this movie a couple times now and the first time I totally know I, I completely saw the the legs hanging oh, in, yeah. when when someone's walking through the through mm. their house and then I watched it this last time and I must have not been paying attention to that screen and I completely missed it this last time yeah how is there a lot of those moments in this movie that I probably have missed? Yeah, there's lots of stuff like that, and I think um, <laughs> you know I was really looking at Lake Mungo as a as a reference for mm. for a lot of those. There's a lot of great stuff that's done in Lake Mungo where the scares kind of aren't underlined, and you know there's a bit um, there's a bit in Lake Mungo that, it, 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 that takes place at a it, it, it's footage from a birthday party, and there's something there's something in the background that you I think at the end they reveal it, they zoom in on it, but um, but it's not kind of uh, mentioned. It's not kind of mentioned in 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 the present when you're when you're mm. watching it. And it's and I spotted it the first time. And it's the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen. And um, and I wanted I wanted moments like that where uh, the the kind of general vibe of the scene might be, you know, without without spoiling like that that moment in particular. It's a moment of relief. It's a, it's meant to be a breathe out moment. Right. But I wanted somebody if somebody was somebody was watching Radina's screen at that particular moment they'd be having a much different experience and they'd be mm-hmm. waving their arms at the screen and telling, you know, yelling at them to get out. And I, you know, I love, <laughs> I love like, there's so many different ways you can watch this movie. And that was definitely built in. And also, I just want to say like that, that shot that you're talking about is like the most expensive shot in the movie. And like three people, oh, three people have seen it. <laughs> Nobody else spotted it. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I, I completely missed it when I was watching the movie again last night for, to prepare for the podcast. And I was yeah. like, wait, did I dream this scene originally? And I actually had to like rewind and go catch it again. Yeah. I love, I love moments like that. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a, there's I'm a couple of moments I'm going to have to rewatch it and see that part. Oh, I did you not I spot missed... it? 
I, I didn't spot that at all. Oh, wow. Okay, you're in <laughs> so for a treat. I'm going to rewatch it and find it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a little untelegraphed moment. I just, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. There's um I promised I promised that I'd mention this movie at least once because I always do but that but but another movie that was a big reference is is this movie called The Innocence from 1961 ah, yes. <laughs> this amazing um black and white ghost story by Jack Clayton uh and I think like there's a scene there's a scene in that where one of the characters is playing hide and seek and they're hiding in this big beautiful like widescreen frame it's like Freddie Francis shot it so it's like gorgeous and and you know, because it's a movie from 1961, you expect all the scares to be like underlined by a big orchestral stab, and it's going to be over the top, and like, and and you're kind of just like watching this widescreen frame, and your eyes kind of drift across, and then you spot something in like the far corner of the frame, and it's the scariest fucking thing, and the the, the film doesn't tell you that something scary is happening, the music mm. doesn't underline it, the the camera work doesn't underline it, and. The great thing is then from that moment on, you don't trust the film to let you know when the scares are coming, which means like, like by proxy, you're, you're always scared. You're always looking, right. looking around the frame. You're always in that kind of state of paranoia. And like, I, I love, you know, if we'd have had, if we'd have had more time, I'd love to have done even more moments like that. You know, it, it's proper, um, what's it called? Haunting of Hill House vibes, you know? Yeah. Um, I just love it. That's why I love found footage. I feel found footage really gives you a lot of like gives you a lot of room to do that kind of stuff too. Like yeah. being able to hide things in the frame and yeah, I totally. Don't know. So cool. Are we going to see a, a sequel to Host, or are we going to see another second screen quarantine horror film? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, if 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 um, yes, I think I think the answer I think the answer I think the answer is yes. We 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 want we want to. We're totally open to it. It's not like. It's not a done deal yet, but okay. um, but I think because of the response to Host, hopefully it will be. It's not a direct sequel to Host. I think that'd be, I you know, I think we still don't quite know what we've got with Host. We're still in the middle of it, and I think trying to just replicate yeah. that in any kind of cynical way would, wouldn't. I don't think we'd ever capture the kind of energy that Host had because right. it's so much a product of how yeah. it was made. But we've got another idea that's in the same world that's set very much now and. Um, what can I say about it? It's it's. Um, <laughs> I'd say, let me say this. So so I guess like if 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 host is about uh, if host is about the kind of paranoia of an, an isolation of lockdown, then this next one is it's about the horror of kind of the world opening up again and the world mm. being unsafe and that feeling of you're going outside but the shark's still in the water and the danger is still mm. is still out there and it's a, it's more playing on that feeling that we're all experiencing now trying to go out while COVID is still rampant. And it, again, it, you know, like host, it's not, it's not a COVID movie. We're not really, it's not, it's not going hard on that, but that's kind of the, yeah. um, that's kind of the feeling we're trying to, we're trying to hit with it. And we're really excited cool. about it. We're just as excited as when we started host. And I, you know, that's the best that's awesome. sign that I can have that it'll be, you know, hopefully halfway decent. Terry, do we want to talk about what we've been watching recently? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm in the the thick of things with uh, festival coverage because Fantasia is going on mm. uh, when this airs. It will it will have started, and so it's. I'm also in this in this this situation where I'm trying to like figure out what I can and can't talk about yet because of, like <laughs> embargoes and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the two movies that I wanted to mention today, one is called The Mortuary Collection. 
Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that yet, but I would like to. It's an anthology film of like there's there's four stories and a wraparound, but it takes place in this very like slightly out of step uh, fantasy world of like this place called Raven's End, which feels like it's it's a mix of like 80s but also sort of like the dunwich village from like a lovecraft story or some Mm. kind of like otherworldly fairy tale world and there's this mortuary guy and he he this after giving like a funeral this this girl comes up to him young woman comes up to him and wants a job and so he starts telling her these stories about some of the dead bodies and they they all like range from the 50s up to the 80s and each one is like it feels ripped from the pages of, of EC comics or like the tales mm. from the crypt. It's very, has a very dark sensibility, um, a very ironic sense of humor to it, which is how I love that, That's what I want to see from like anthology films. When I, when I want to watch these little quick short films, I want to see that kind of like ironic comeuppance that happens mm-hmm. in like the tales from the crypt. And the, the major, the, the biggest story in this one is actually a, a film that, a little short film that did a festival round, um, a f- like a year or two years ago, maybe, uh, called The Babysitter Murders. And it's what kind of like was his like calling card to like say, this is, this is one of, of four, one of four short stories I want to tell in this collection. And I think the, uh, overall, I think it's a little long at almost two hours, but it's, oh, wow. it's fantastic. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah. And it, it just, it has such a, a visual style to it that you don't see in, especially in like, um, more low budget f- fare. It's like, it, it just, it oozes personality. And I really hope that he gets to do more, that there's maybe more to this, this collection. Cause it's just, it oh, hit yeah. my, hit my sweet spot of like trick or treat slash tales from the dark side, the movie, like oh, that cool. kind of sensibility it kind of hit, tickled that, that itch for me. And then the other movie that I saw that I think as of right now is actually probably my favorite of the fest is Lucky. Oh, yeah. Which one was yeah. I heard about that? Yeah, it's written by Bria Grant and it's directed by oh, yeah, Natasha yeah. Kermani and it stars Bria Grant. And I, I was, I was blown away by this movie. It, uh, it, it starts out where, um, it's, she's a self, Bria Grant plays a self-help guru who, one day she comes home and she's talking with her husband and they go to bed. She wakes up in the middle of the night because she hears glass breaking and she finds this man wearing this plastic kind of mask standing outside her house. And she runs to her husband, like gets him up and is like, there's someone outside. And he's like, oh yeah, that's just the man. And she's like, the man? He's like, yeah, the man that comes here every night and tries to kill us. And he like nonchalantly goes and grabs a golf club and then goes down there and they end up like beating him unconscious so when they turn around he's gone his body is gone and it like it it plays out from there is this very like high concept sort of like i would say maybe kind of like a groundhog's day except that it's not the same day repeating she's going forward in time it's just that every single night this guy keeps coming back and no one will believe her her husband disappears and the police keep asking her about her relationship with her husband and she's like i'm talking about this guy that keeps coming here and trying to kill me every night and every time she knocks him unconscious he vanishes and it just it sort of goes from there and it um i i watched it like worried that it was going to like f- fall and like fail the ending but man this is a high concept movie that i just I I absolutely love from beginning to end. That is a Hell killer yeah. concept. I love the sound yeah. of that. 
love that. And okay. it, it's it's so it gets so trippy towards the end, but it but it's Hell like yeah. anchored with with Bria Grant's performance of this like vulnerable woman who just wants people to believe that she is being traumatized by this person, and everyone's like, so talk about your husband. Like it, it's it's mm. it's such a it's such a weird. It feels very uh, of the time as well. I'll say without spoiling things. Um, cool. But yeah, it's probably my favorite of the fest that I've seen so far. What about you, Mary Beth? Um, I'm also watching a lot of Fantasia stuff that I can't talk about due to embargoes, but I cannot wait to tell you about my favorite that I cannot talk about yet. (laughs) But I finally watched Sputnik. Terry has talked about Sputnik. Rob, have you heard of Sputnik? No, what's that? Sputnik is, it just came out last week. It is a sci-fi horror movie that is very much an homage to Alien. It's Russian. And it is, I... I consider it a love story (laughs) between man and alien. (laughs) And I really, really, it's just like, oh, it's got everything I wanted in a sci-fi alien horror movie. It's got really awesome alien design. I love the alien. It was actually kind of cute and I loved him, which is really cool because he's not, he's like conceptually not cute, like snake body, creepy eyes, fangs, spider eyes, like spider eyes and like not (laughs) really cute in a traditional sense but like the personality that they give this creature is amazing so i really enjoyed that and then i'm also reading i'm reading a really good collection of horror short stories by adam neville um mm. it's called uh, it is called some will not sleep and i adam neville is one of my favorite horror writers he is a folk he writes a lot of folk horror he wrote the ritual he mm. wrote the reddening so this collection i was i've been really like having a hard time focusing on like longer novels. So I'm doing short story collections, which has been helpful and more easy to read. His short stories are so creepy and they get under your skin. They're so, but they're so good. And again, it's full core, which I really love. So if you're looking for a collection of short stories, check out, it's only three 99 for your Kindle. If you want to read it. Um, and they're really uh, disturbing and creepy. So I would what was recommend that, that again? for sure. Some will not sleep. Okay. It's a good title. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I know. And it's just like really weird. I don't even know how to describe it. But yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. really enjoyable. Um, Rob, what have you been watching and enjoying recently? I've been watching I've been watching a bunch of stuff. Like I basically I, I kind of split my watching into two categories. Like there's the stuff that I'll actually like sit and watch and give my full attention and then I tend to like I've got a TV in my room that I tend to like put a movie on and fall asleep to it and that's normally stuff mm. that I've kind of seen before or that I'm kind of uh you know, that I'm kind of giving half my attention to. And like, to be honest, like I've been so busy that most of the movies have been fall asleep movies, but I've been watching. Yeah. I got, a, I picked up a, I picked up a secondhand collection of like old, uh, manga movies. So I've been watching, like I watched the Yurotsuki Doji movies, the kind of demon. The, the, it's basically these kind of super horny animations that basically it's like, <laughs> the, yeah. it's like, the, it's like, <laughs> like the inside of it of a like a 15 year old boy's mind projected onto the screen which is like, <laughs> like yeah I, I wouldn't call i wouldn't call them good movies but they're not boring and um and then i watched uh creature from the black lagoon again because i haven't seen that since oh. i was a kid and um has it held up i haven't watched that one since kind i was of a like, kid either it's it's kind of really clunky and then really beautiful mm. in, and it kind of like just veers back and forth between the two it's got these really beautiful like uh just totally visual moments. Like there's the bit that everyone remembers the kind of, um, the bit where they, the, the, the um, the woman is, is swimming and the creature kind of, um, mirrors her, her, her yeah. movements onto the water, which is just gorgeous. And, and the, you know, the design of it's, the design of it's really, um, really beautiful. 
but you know, but then there's a lot of like people standing dressed in safari gear in like very obvious sets, like spouting bad dialogue as well. So it's it's <laughs> it's it's not it's not one of my favorites of those movies, but there's there's some right. there's some absolutely gorgeous moments. But no, I've been playing a lot of video games actually. <gasps> what have you been playing? I just finished Last of Us Two, and I'm still kind oh. of oh, oh how I'm, are you? Are oh, you okay? I'm, no, I'm really like trauma- <laughs> I'm really traumatized by. It. And I tell you what, I tell you what, like I only started playing video, I, like I had no idea video games were a thing until about four months ago. I really. <laughs> I was super, super dismissive of video games. I thought they were just like, I don't know what I thought really, but, but I started playing them just when lockdown started, I bought a PS4 and and started playing. And, and I tell you what, like, since I started playing video games, I've been having the most like vivid nightmares. And I I really like a good, I really like a good nightmare. Like I write them down, but, um, (laughs) but it's just like being able to interact with a movie basically. I mean, that's kind of how I see it. Like uh, it's, it's just re- rewired my brain in a really interesting way. And I've been having these really involved, um, not quite lucid, but like, you know, just, just on the cusp yeah. of being lucid, like really just feel really present in these, in these, these last of us nightmares, which has been really fun. And that uh, game broke my heart. <laughs> oh God. It's literally, I spent, I feel like, I feel like I spent half of my time playing it, like sweating and screaming. And then the other half just like, crying in like a mess on the floor <laughs> yes and- i literally at one point towards the end uh in like the, the final climactic moment i put my controller down i was like no i'm not doing this yeah of course the game forces you to do it but like it's like no i don't i don't want to be part of this. that's what i that's what I, I never realized that that games could um i always thought games would be a pale imitation of uh a film but actually mm. there's stuff mm-hmm. that games can do that a film could never do and i think that get i think yeah. that game specifically the way that it makes you engage with um, the kind of like the ramifications of your decisions and um, and how that uh, it, like how how violence changes you and and mm-hmm. you know without without spoiling it there, there's a moment where you're kind of confronted with the monster that you've become that really just that really like rattled me and made me like take a step back and be like oh fuck this is actually this is actually an art form unto itself and. Um, and also just just how kind of unrelentingly bleak it is like the end the, yes. the, the ending is so um uh. so kind of desperately sad and um and it's just a masterpiece like it's just there's a there's a there's a few movies i'm sure you get this where you're watching it and you're just like very early on you just get this feeling of like oh i'm watching a masterpiece mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah and very early on that first the first scene with abby and where um yep. where the, the the zombies start to hoard just one, just one of the best set pieces I've ever seen. And from from yeah. that point on, I was just kind of engaging with it as this is this is next level storytelling. Whatever the medium, this is um, this is somebody who really knows how to, um, who's really interested in in kind of pushing the limits of storytelling and and what uh, what the kind of empathy inherent in in playing video games can can do and how that can challenge you. And um, not make you just a kind of uh, just a passenger, but really make you confront every decision. I, I don't know. It, it, I could talk about it for hours, but it's 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 honestly kind of it's honestly kind of blowing my mind. I love hearing that. Yeah. So, it, you, so you you guys, I guess you guys are, are like proper gamers. Like, what 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 should I play? What should I play next? I've re- I've got like a, a last Last of Us shaped hole in my heart. <laughs> so you have a PS4, and you. I'm playing okay, Bio. I'm you... playing Bioshock at the moment, which is fun. Oh, Bioshock's good. good. That's yeah. a fun. Bioshock is amazing. Um, you should try Resident Evil Seven. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone keeps saying that. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna yeah, do it. because do it. it's like 
I don't think anything can fill the Last of Us two hole. Like I, I don't think no. many. It's just to let this. you know, like that's not going to happen. I'll prepare myself emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, I don't think you're going to find one that intense. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, Bioshock, oh, Bioshock, gosh, um, Resident Evil Seven is amazing. It's like there's like found footage aspects where you like mm, insert uh, a VCR. Cool. And then you play in the footage, which I'm really obsessed with. Um, That's cool. It's also really gross, which I like. It's like grimy yeah, yeah. and nasty, Great. Um, which is awesome. Um, what else is there? Do you care you about try? Do you care about the characters? Because that's the thing. Like Bioshock's amazing, but I don't really care about the the guy because I've only seen his hands, so I don't really care about him. So I'm right. really, yeah, I'm just wondering if there's something that I can have that same investment in because I really loved that about the two Last of Us games. You should try Life is Strange. I've only okay. watched playthroughs of this, but like from what I've watched, you get really invested in the characters and it's all about and it's about um being a teenager and having superpowers and also being queer. Oh, and wow. it's just a, it, there's a lot of like similar emotional connections you're supposed to build with the characters. Okay, um, Life is Strange. I'm going to download Life that. Life is Strange. You should also try Night in the Woods. Um, it's not, it's very cartoony. It's like you play as a little cat, but you, the way that it's written is like, it's like supernatural and kind of like cosmic horror. Have you played the Starry Night in the Woods? Um, I started it. I never finished it. So it's, it's a god. There's like really, it's, it seems cute, cutesy because they're all anthropomorphized animals, but there's a yeah. really awesome stories about like dealing with depression and yeah, mistakes yeah. and regrets. Um, that is really amazing for a game that's in that style. So Night yeah. in the Woods is another one I would recommend. Yeah, because that was another thing. It's like the, it's a very short part of Last of Us Two, but the bit that deals with her like PTSD and the way that mm. that changes oh, how she perceives the world. Like that's a that was another like light bulb moment where I it, like I kind of saw the power of games. And, and I don't know, I'm chasing that high again. I mean, I think I probably started on the best game, it sounds you, like. I, I was like going to say, like, you kind of started at the top, and mm. I'm not sure if you're going to find something that's going to feel... I mean, not to say that there aren't really good emotional games out there, yeah. but, like... Oh, can I ask you about... There's a, there's a game I was, like, toying with getting called um, Dead Space. Have you got any of yes! you guys? Is that really good? It looked <laughs> uh, like... Okay. It, it looked like... It looked like I basically just want to play Event Horizon. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah have pretty you played, much. Have you played? Okay, you played it, Terry. Um, oh yeah. So play one three. and two. Don't play the last one. Okay. Um, in my opinion, and they're really good. You're not going to have the same emotional investment with the character, but the like the tension and the scare is able to build, yeah. and like the creepy creatures that come out and the 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 situations you get into are Amazing. really good and yeah, you get yeah, yeah. really invested in like getting through the areas and seeing more learning more about the mystery of what's going on and yeah. more invested like in the story and not just the character not the characters but the entire like narrative and the lore it's building yeah yeah i would recommend that one a lot i really that was one of the first games i ever played and i absolutely adore it okay i'm gonna get that i'm gonna life is strange what was the cat one called night in the woods night in the woods okay i've written them down <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um. Well, so now that we've talked about video games, yeah. <laughs> um, Rob, what movie are we talking about today? We're talking about a movie that absolutely fucked me up as a 15-year-old <laughs> called Wreck, which is a, a Spanish horror movie, found footage horror movie, that was so scary that I couldn't actually stay inside my house. I had to leave and sit on my doorstep because my parents were out. Uh, they were having having dinner somewhere and I had to basically wait for them to come home because I didn't want to be in the house anymore. It scared me that uh, much. 
Can't wait to hear about that. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen Rack, here's a quick synopsis. Um, in Rack, a television reporter and her cameraman follow emergency workers into a dark apartment building and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. All right, Rob, tell us more about you sitting out of your house. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Did I do this the wrong way around? Sorry about that. Sorry. No, not at all. No, it was a good teaser. It was yeah. a really good teaser. Um, yeah. So give, paint us the picture for what happened. What scene was it that you saw? Or was it the whole movie? Like, it was the whole thing. It. it was the whole thing. But it was okay. this was, again, this was like, I think I'd, I think my parents had given up on raising me without a screen at this point. So uh, we had a com- <laughs> we had a computer and and I'd learned how to like torrent movies. And again, I'm sorry to the directors of Wreck, but yes, I, I torrented I torrented Wreck because it was on a list. I think it was on a list of like, <laughs> I mean, it might have actually been the year it came out, but I don't. I was just reading that it was like one of the scariest movies ever. And um, but you know, because I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. Uh, I basically had to wait until my parents went out to watch any horror movies they wanted to watch. So uh, I wait, waited for my parents to go out. I put this film on and um, – oh, sorry, my computer crashed. Uh, so I put this, I, I put this, put this movie on and, uh, and I, played it, I played it through and I felt like, you know, when you're like your adrenaline kicks in and you're kind of like you're in that fight, and, fight or flight mode yep. from the very first scare with the little girl – uh, I basically like, I remember like so vividly just staying in that, like, like thinking to myself, okay, well, this is, I'm going to just ease into this movie. And it just never happened. It felt like that whole movie was, was, it just, it felt like it was an operating on a level of intensity that, that, that normally is just kind of sporadic in horror movies that there's a scene. And then like, you have the scene set in daytime where you know that you can like get up and walk around or like check your phone right. or whatever. And it felt like this movie just didn't have those moments. It was just like this escalating series of set pieces. And then I remember now I remember cause so I was watching this movie, the movie finished. I was freaked out. I turned on all the lights. Then there was a power cut. There was a power cut oh. and, and like, and I could have just gone to bed and tried to fall asleep, but I was so terrified. I basically went and sat outside because the street lights were still on, and waited for my oh, parents waited for my parents to come home because I was so freaked out. And I couldn't tell them why because they'd be then they'd like <laughs> they'd be pissed at me for watching for watching Wreck. But um, yeah, yeah. So more and more and more wow. more and more is coming back. It's like therapy. The more I talk about it, the more it's coming back. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Like rehash your trauma. Let's yeah. work through it <laughs> with two writers with yeah. no psycholo- like, psychology background. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the thing that that just jumped out at me is that like you saw this movie pretty much the same kind of way I did because yeah. it's like so that you know it, it like hit film festivals overseas and everyone was was rant was was raving about how how terrifying it was how amazing it was because it hit Venice and it hit Sitges and it hit mm. all these like. And then it never came here to the United States. And that was like in 2000, I want to say it was like 2007 when it like first premiered at like Venice International. Yeah. And then like it had a brief US limited theatrical release in October of, of 2008. But like I live in Nebraska and never came near me. Uh-huh. And at the same time, that's when the, the remake hit out. So it ironically was playing at the same time as Quarantine was playing in, in theaters. Oh, interesting. And then it didn't come out on dvd until i think july of 2009 here in the states so like around the same time as you probably i was i was shopping on ebay and i had previously done this with the descent when it like came out and wasn't over here in the states 
And so I ordered this copy, which was probably a bootleg copy. I have bought this movie many times since then, directors, if you're listening. <laughs> but um, I got this bootleg copy, and it wouldn't play in my DVD player, so I had to watch it on my computer. So I'm sitting in front of my computer late at night. I have my headphones on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I pop it in, and it like you described it's like it's like a panic attack that's like slowly yeah, building right? up until like a crescendo it doesn't let you stop it doesn't let it doesn't let you take a break and then you get to the end and all of a sudden there's this fucking zombie kid that's jumping out at you and when that happened i i fell out of my chair i fell out of my chair i pulled my, my like my 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 headphones were connected to my computer i pulled that out my computer fell over my computer literally fell over because I because it was like the it, the cord was not coming out, and to make matters worse, I lived I lived in an apartment building, and my neighbors next door were friends, and they shared um, a bedroom with like a bedroom wall with with my bedroom, and that's where my computer was, and they heard me screaming, and so they called me. <laughs> All right. And I'm like, yeah. So like that was my first experience with this with this film. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. That, that there's something about that first the first scare of a horror movie i think always gives you like a bit of a roadmap to how how scary the rest of it's going to be and i just remember mm-hmm. that first scare being so scary i i had to like pause it and be like i don't know if i can actually handle watching the rest of this because it's only <laughs> going to go up from here yeah it, it, and you know and like when, when you're sitting at your computer and like i'm just i know that i i had vivid memories of just like leaning closer and closer to the screen which is not what you want to do with this so at that point by the end of it where i'm like pretty much i think probably nose to the screen is when the zombie <laughs> child jumps out oh, but God. yeah it's a uh, man uh what about you mary beth what um do you what do you remember your first time seeing this movie okay so i saw quarantine first which is the i mean it makes sense american remake of it and I saw that in theaters and I it scared the absolute shit out of me um I know it's not wreck but it was the the it was one of the first movies I vividly remember seeing in theaters and being really terrified of and so when I watched I watched wreck a couple years later and it just again it scared I can't remember how old I was but it scared it again it scared the shit out of me because it is like a panic attack. I mean, like, the beginning just seems to like, oh, okay, they're like in the firehouse, it's fine. And as soon as they enter that apartment building, it's like, all right, time for everyone to just die <laughs> in gruesome, <laughs> awful ways. Um, I think I like the I like the ending of this one a lot more. I think it's like so weird. And it's so funny mm. to me how like, Amer- like Western or not even Western, American like horror is like, oh, yeah, no, we can't do that. Which is so silly, because it's not that, I don't know, because it's all about, like, what, trying to vaccinate her against the devil, and it backfires. <laughs> Isn't that, like, the end? Yeah. Like, she tries yeah. to make, like, a possession vaccination, and then she, <laughs> it evolves, which I think is hysterical, if you think about it that way. But, <laughs> well, and it didn't quarantine, wasn't it, like, a, a doomsday cult that, like, doomsday, stole? It was yeah. a doomsday cult that stole a virus from a lab, yeah. and they gave it, to, and it spread that way, so it was more like, a, a just, like, a kind of run-of-the-mill zombie disease situation which like fine yeah but i kind of like the idea of possession as contagion i haven't seen any of the other ones have you guys seen oh rec 2 is really good yeah i watched okay. rec 2 for the first time uh right after i watched the first one this weekend okay. it kind many, of... are there other four yeah yeah, there, yeah four. I, the, the, I haven't seen the fourth one but the third the third one's kind of fun the the third one kind of gives up on being a found footage movie halfway through 
Like literally, oh. like the camera, the, like literally, the camera just breaks and then it becomes like a real movie. Oh, huh. it's, it's but it's but it's fun. It's like funny. It's like quite. It's like a kind of black comedy. But the second one, oh. the second one, I think you'd really like it, Mary Beth, because it's like it. It basically kind of like doubles down on on that ending. And it becomes really like it's a, you know, it's an infection movie, but it really doubles down on the possession stuff. And it does some really like interesting things with the camera and with the night vision mm-hmm. in particular. There's like, there's one scene that's just inspired where, uh, something is, something is visible, something, something, something becomes real only when there's no light shining on it. And it's really fucking scary and really like smart, yeah. smartly done. Yeah. Ooh. Cool. Okay, my question for everyone: What is your favorite kill in this movie? Because <laughs> there's some good ones. <laughs> yeah, there are some really good ones in this one. I think my favorite. I think my favorite kill isn't. It's not not like an on camera kill. It's more. I guess it's the aftermath. But it's the um, it's the one that the one that 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 made me jump the most the first time, and that I'm still like weirdly never quite ready for whenever it happens. Is um, just the body falling. Falling oh from the top. Y que no le dejan acercarse al edificio y les doy antibióticos a la silla. Seriously, I have I have seen Wreck in Quarantine so many times. I jumped watching it last night. Like yeah. I don't. Yep, it is. It still gets. Like I know it's coming, and I still jump out of my skin. I I don't know why. I just. We stole Ugh. that. We literally stole that for host. That was the that was the clip that I played. <laughs> oh. we're, we're just going to do that. We're just going to do that. <laughs> but it's so good. Like it's just like very sudden, and you're like, "Yep, everything is fucking awful." By the way, like if you didn't already know, like this yeah. is going to happen. I which is so I good. live for those moments. I love I love a good body splat. <laughs> like, I was thinking, I love I was body thinking splat. about it. I was thinking about about this when I was when I was watching it last night. I was like, oh, that scene still works because um, it, it reminded me of recently watching the uh, the movie Z. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh Rob, yeah. no. But there is a good moment where it's like a pretty normal scene, and then a body comes falling, and it's like I live for those moments. <laughs> That kind of unexpected scare, because like in, in Wreck, it's, you know, everyone's arguing. There's so much pandemonium. They're trying to figure out what's going on. The mom wants to get her, her daughter some like medicine. And then all of a sudden, ah, splat. I just, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, watching this now, because it's, it's been a minute since I've seen it, because uh, I, I tried watching it like maybe a couple years ago, but the only copy that was like available for streaming is dubbed and I cannot stand dubbed movies. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, it's on Amazon. People are like, don't watch this. It's subbed and it's garbage. And I'm like, why would you even sub this? Mo- I mean, no, it's dubbed. I'm like, dubbed, why would yeah. you dub this movie? Yeah. It's, it's so horrible. It like, so like I, it wasn't until scream factory released their, their four box, their box set of all four movies that, um, I decided to watch it again. So it has been a minute, but I watching this, watching this in quarantine is quite an interesting experience. Like um, <laughs> just like seeing the authority kind of like break down because you have like the one cop who is basically swinging his gun at everybody and like just basically losing it. And then there's like the, the casual xenophobia in the place where it's like yeah. everyone wants to blame the poor Chinese people. Yes. Okay. Definitely did not pick up on that before <laughs> with the xenophobia yeah. and like this really intense. 
and like unfortunately it's kind of prescient to now because a lot of people yeah. are being really shitty and racist towards chinese people and people yep. from east yeah. asia because of covid so it's oh, so well, it's yeah. just like so funny not funny that's terrible to say it's not funny at all but it's an interesting kind of parallel that no probably no one could have predicted but you know like wow yeah these as soon as someone's like there's a virus like oh it has to be the the chinese family and it's like okay and then i think there was who was the guy's name the, the kind of greasy guy with the mustache <laughs> caesar and the rings and yeah. he like is positioning himself <laughs> and he's like he didn't know they were rolling and he's like it's got to be them they're like and they're, like criticizing them so heavily and i was like oh my they God. eat raw fish <laughs> yeah and and they I always like, leave the door open and this, and then he makes this comment that like I was like, oh wow, because he says if they were the nice kind, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> right. And it's so interesting because so Rack came out in 2007, and yeah. so it's interesting. And it's like I have a lot of thoughts about like post 9/11 found footage and like horror mm. in general because it's so interesting because a lot of those movies are informed by the xenophobia that is like so prevalent in that time Mm -hmm. um and still now but it's interesting how it's like integrated in these ways that aren't that are obvious but maybe people wouldn't think about it but really kind of addressing those issues of xenophobia post 9-11 and how like a lot of european and and also america were like so nervous about people who were outside like who they labeled Mm -hmm. as outsiders and it's like so fascinating to see how directors incorporate that fear Especially in fan footage movies like this. Because, again, like... Do, do you guys listen to... There's a great podcast, The, the Faculty of Horror, that, that Rue Morgan... Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. They, they, did a, they did a great... Um, they did a great episode on Wreck 1 and 2 that I think... Oh, um, I haven't listened to that they one. Did, yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's, it's like one of my favourite horror podcasts. I think that the... the, the, the I love how... how just just how rich the analysis is and they really went into like i wish i could remember it because i sound really smart but they they basically kind of looked at wreck and they framed it um in kind of socio-political terms in terms of like what's Mm. what's been happening in spain over the last hundred years and the distrust of of um authority and i it's i'm gonna listen to it again and and next time i'll have some some uh some anecdotes i can pull out and sound smarter but it's really it's a really great episode (laughs) yeah i love them those those two women are just they're fantastic they're amazing yeah their analysis their analyses are so good and i'm here just like very briefly analyzing it but now i i I don't i think i've missed that episode i haven't listened to it in a long time so now i'm really gonna have to recheck that out yeah but you didn't answer uh, your own question, Mary Beth. What's your favorite oh, death? Yeah, sorry, a train went by. Um, my favorite, my <laughs> favorite kill um, is when the little girl bites her mom. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite. When like she's the mom is holding the daughter, and they're all looking at them because of the dog Max, and she's like, "Oh, it's just tonsillitis. It's totally fine." I'm like, "Come here, little girl," and then all of a sudden she just like goes. bites her mom and runs away and it's just so good like it is my favorite i don't even know if it's technically a kill but it's my favorite moment of the entire movie that and the reveal of um the girl upstairs in the attic oh yeah so can we talk talk about that scene yes (laughs) can we talk about it i really need this is where the therapy kicks in this is going to start thunderstorming here in a second. So if Ooh. I keep muting, it's because there's like appropriate. a really intense thunderstorm about to go down. Oh, no, leave it in. That's great atmosphere. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Dark and spooky. But yes, the woman in the attic. 
who's played fantastically by Javier Botet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Who is just an amazing physical actor. I think oh this God. I think this might be a contender for like the scariest scene in horror. This is this it scene really traumatized me. I would hundred percent agree with that. It is awful. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I love night vision scenes because I think they are yeah. so scary. And just like the way that they introduce it with like her in the back or like like the the creature in the background like shifting in the dark. Yeah. Oh gosh, that shadow it freaked yes! me out this last time. Oh, like I because yeah. like it again, it's been years since I've seen this, and the copy that I the last time I probably saw it was the was the crappy bootleg copy I had. Yeah. So like I and I and I don't think I saw everything. So like that shadow moving last night when I watched it, I I jumped. I love yeah. moments like that though, but. Yeah, it, it kind of changes the entire tone of the movie because up until that point, it's a pretty standard. I mean, it's not standard, but it's mm. pretty much a zombie movie, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. get to this to this attic, and it's like, what the fuck is that thing? <laughs> well, and it's like, it's it's exactly when we learn that like this is a possession. This isn't just some mm-hmm. run of the mill zombie rabies weird contagion. Like this is something completely like unexpected, and then the way that they reveal her body has being so warped by that contagion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is even more fucked. Cause again, like you've, you've seen people getting, you know, mauled <laughs> and torn up, <laughs> but they didn't look, they looked like people still, which is yeah. scary. There's not really like a monster monster. And then they reveal the monster monster. And like yeah. the way they were able to take a human body and compl- and just make it so foreign Mm. From like the long limbs and like the, b- the breast guys. I mean, come on, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just like the stringy yeah. hair and just. I mean, I don't know what color the skin was, but it just felt like it would be kind of gross and squishy and gray. Like yeah. it just and the movement as well, the way that the arms swing in the kind yes. of looseness and it's such <sighs> a. It's like an incredible performance, even though he's only on screen for like five minutes or something or less probably, but um, that. <sighs> There's something there's something I love about horror movies where you you're kind of you're kind of just seeing the tip of like some horrific iceberg. I mean, you get up there yes. and you see all the cuttings and you're like, "Oh fuck, this is this is so this goes so much deeper than I than I ever thought and there's so much there's so much that's fucked up about this. I can't even take it in." And the, like you know, that's that I think fan footage movies that go the opposite way. I always like bump up against like found footage movies where like Dr. Dr. Exposition comes in and like explains, Oh, Mm -hmm. this is why, you know, we created a monster in the lab and we never should have played God and all this, you know, like the the more, the more that if this was to happen to a real person, you'd get a fraction of the, of the, of the truth. And that'd be terrifying enough. And I love that you just, at the last minute, suddenly the movie is recontextualized for you, but it's so, it's so visceral and immediate that you don't even have time to process that because holy fuck, there's this thing in the corner and you've got to be quiet <laughs> and suddenly you're holding your breath along with the characters. And it's, yes, it's such a change of pace. Like you said as well, because the, the movie's so, so loud and so intense and then it's so quiet and it's so um, oppressive and claustrophobic. Well, and, and it's this moment where like you, like you said, you've, you, it's this buildup, this, like this, it's, it has this one pace the entire time mm. and you get up to this, this relative quote unquote safety and it's a time to breathe. And then it's a completely different kind of, of tension that is the rest of the, the like what five or 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Robbie mentioned this. It's, I love found footage because a lot of the time you're learning with the characters and yes. I mm-hmm. love that kind of like, 
learning with characters and again, not having that huge exposition dump, but you're in that moment, like you're in that tension, you're kind of mm-hmm. trying to piece everything together with them. You kind of are creating your own narrative in a way yeah. because you're filling in the story gaps. You're kind of like, okay, okay, this is what's happening. But again, it's terrifying because we don't have all the answers. And again, we have to, it's like, I was holding my breath this time, like when they were in the dark and the the creature came forward. It really is amazing how this film can get you to be like, I am, I am in that attic and I cannot breathe or move or I yeah, would be yeah. eaten. Like, because you were talking it seems about like, like so si- it seems so simple, but it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you were talking about like um, night vision scenes, which again, I like, I love night vision scenes, and and the one that the one that comes to mind is the the end of Silence of the Lambs. But the end of Silence of <laughs> yes! the Lambs is like, which is super intense and like, d- d- and. Um, you know, and that I saw that before Wreck, and that movie fucked me up as well. But mm. like the um, the fact that that's edited, and the fact that like you go from the night vision, but then you've also got those shots of um, Buffalo Bill that are kind of like it's like it's it's meant to be pitch black, but it's like movie pitch black, and you can kind of just right. see him and the levels up, like it's like you know. So you're kind of like aware of the construction of the movie, and, and found footage is just as far in the opposite direction as you can go. It's, it's you know, the illusion of an unbroken shot, the illusion of, um, you know, you're, you're with these characters and as long as they're alive, you're, you're just going to be watching pretty much their point of view. It's, 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 so, it's so immediate. It's like if a found footage movie works, it, it's the closest you can get to forgetting you're watching a movie, I think. You know, it's why movies like yeah. this and, and Blair Witch um, – like still still to this day really rattle me yeah we had um recently uh, we had talked about we had watched the open water uh three and there's a night vision sequence and that's found footage and there's oh, wow. a night vision sequence in there involving sharks yeah it's just like oh. i i oh, i think there's something yeah. really really special about those types of uh those, that type of filming yeah we again not to keep bringing it back to host but like that was the movie that was the movie that we were trying to we were trying to replicate that same feeling at the end with the, with the Polaroids. I showed that to all the cast. And I was like, we want to do this. And like that feeling of um, just basically being in, in pitch blackness and feeling like you're just mm. there shoulder to shoulder with the characters in the end. Like I, I just love movies that, and I get like, you know, if, if, if I'm lucky enough to have any more movies released, you'll probably see, start to see a pattern because like, all the movies that I'm developing at the moment kind of end in a similar way because I love Rex so much. But like, mo- I, like the horror movie, the horror movies that I love, tend to i feel like i feel like there's an instinct when making horror movies to follow the same template of every other movie and 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 go bigger in the finale go go big and go bombastic and times everything by 10 because that's the normal formula to make any other kind of genre but actually i think the bigger the bigger and the less personal you go the less scary and the less involving and the movies that really stick with me it's the movies that go more personal more claustrophobic that kind of bottleneck and tighten their focus at the end the movies that go quiet and intense at the end rather than loud and bombastic you know movies like the like the end of the Blair Witch the end you know Science of the Lambs this th- those are the mm-hmm. movies that really stay with me and, and where you kind of leave the cinema without being able to to shake the movie off and like Wreck I think is just the perfect example of that it really is because like I, I'm thinking about this as you were as you were talking but it's like I you kind of you get up there and then into the penthouse and you kind of expect a last stand right yeah. it's like that's the point of the zombie movie where where like people are breaking into the house and like Night of the Living Dead and it becomes like this you know a shootout or last, something normally right and it doesn't do that at all the zombies are gone and it's this other this other real fear that 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 comes in at that time yeah 
Wow. Do we want to give this movie a rating out of five? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Terry, how many feral seven-year-olds <laughs> out of five do you give Rec? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> As you can tell, I have a very weird attachment to the feral seven-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who looks so cute this time watching? Like when she like looks at the camera and goes, Rah! I'm like, oh, <laughs> so Den- cute. My name's Jennifer. I'm going to eat your throat. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, that, in that scene in particular, it, I started realizing this time how much of a little bit of a callback to like Night of the Living Dead it was yeah! with like, the, the yeah, girl and her yeah. mom. Um, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so this, this movie, uh, when I tweeted out that I was watching this, uh, a friend of the show, Tony Kaufman was, he replied to me and he was like, good, your letterbox rating is too low. And I was like, yeah, okay. It kind of is. I had it at, a, I think I had it at a three or three and a half. And wow, that's low. Well, and I'll tell you why. I think it was because I had tried rewatching it, um, again, probably dubbed and it, it's there. I do my I guess my biggest complaint, my biggest complaint still this time is that some of the the middle section feels one note in, in terms of like the screaming. Like there's just one decibel of everyone just like shouting and screaming. And I get that that's probably realistic because everything's fucking going to shit. But like it like it was a bit too much. It kind of turned into like this sort of like cacophony of like, eh, not really. Eh. Yeah. But I will but like watching it this time, I I was surprised that when we got to the ending, cause I was like, Oh wow. Are we already at the ending? Cause it is so, it's so perfectly paced. And yeah. once, once the shit hits the fan and once like the little interview and the character building moments are done, it just does not let up. And I think that it is a perfectly like it, it's at a perfect, what hundred or one hour and 18 minutes. Yeah. I yeah. think it is like, it just, I, there's something about those types of films that just want to give you an experience that are, that are on the shorter side and they, they don't overstay their welcome. And looking at this now through, through 2020 lens, I, I, I do think I agree, Tony, I <laughs> rated this too low. Um, I, I think this movie is fantastic. Um, I, I definitely appreciate it a lot more than I did probably the second time I, I saw the film and I would probably give it, Oh, I'd probably give it, I think, four and a half uh, feral seven-year-olds out of five. Okay. <laughs> Such a great rating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mary Beth? Sorry, if you can hear it in the background, my kitten is just chirping at the raindrops. So oh, hear that. Oh, <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to give this five feral seven-year-olds okay. out of five. I absolutely love everything about this movie. I love the like the motivation, the monster reveal. The acting is actually really I love um Angela plays Angela, the character. She is I forgot how phenomenal she was in this mm-hmm. movie and how like she keeps ramping mm-hmm. up and ramping up and the way that she really does act as the audience proxy is so good. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Like host, that it's a beautiful fifty-six minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like a I love it because it's like short and it knows what it's doing and doesn't try to over like you said oversight's welcome and doesn't try to do exposition dump and get you super like you know up to speed about what's going on so and it still scares me to this day i still jump even though i've seen it multiple times so i mean if a movie can still do that that alone gives it a five for me so rob you have the final word how many feral seven-year-olds out of five would you give (laughs) wreck well i mean i i can't really add anything to what you guys have said i i I just think this is one of the great horror movies and and it's one of the few movies that every time i put it on 
it scares the shit out of me. And there's not there's there's only a handful of movies that can do that. So it's I'm going to give it five feral seven year olds out of five. Perfect, Sweet. amazing, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the scores that we come up with sometimes. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Rob, for joining us to talk no, about that Rec. Was fun. Uh, where where can our listeners find you, and what do you have coming up you'd like to share? Oh well, um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I think I'm at I'm at D I R Rob Savage on Twitter and Insta, and. Uh, you, I mean, Host has only been out two weeks, so so tell your friends about Host. Let's let's see if has we it can. only been out for two. It's weeks? It's only been out two weeks. Wow. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so Jeez. please tell tell your friends if somebody doesn't know how to get Shudder, install it on their TV for them. You can get Host exclusively on Shudder, and um, oh, oh I'd, and I'd really love it if people could check out Dawn of the Deaf and Salt, which are the two short films that the team behind Host made beforehand. And uh, where are those available? Are they on those, Vimeo? Uh, yeah, they're on my Vimeo, which I think is just. Uh, I think if you if you search Dawn of the Deaf and Rob Savage, the, the Vimeo I think will come up first, and uh, we'll, we'll put the links to there. We'll link to those shorts oh, in the description of the podcast. Thank you, and um, and you know hopefully hopefully something else hosty out soon. Um, hopefully, I have an announcement <laughs> on that soon. So, listeners, you've heard from us. But we want to hear from you. What was your experience with Rec? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, keep the conversation going by chatting with the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Arnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>